right, good morning everybody. Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, where we bring on some of the most amazing people, as far as I'm concerned, ever, uh, who do some truly fascinating, amazing work. Um, and so today we're gonna have on, again, uh, Miss Amazing Joanna Lynn, who uh, is the founder of the Family, in Family, I always have a hard time with that, Family Imprint Institute. And I'm stoked because we have so much in common. We see the same things, but we I have learned that, I've learned so much from the way that she views uh, relationships and the way that she views epigenetics. So before we get into all of that, uh, Joanna, thanks again for being here. It's always good, good to see you. It's been too long. Yeah, absolutely, Nikki. Great to be back with you. Yeah. So, uh, as always, the first thing that we do is we start the show with gratitude because gratitude can change the world. Uh, and I truly believe that. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a daily practice for me to, to be grateful. And when I find myself in a slump, it's bringing yourself out of it. And sometimes you have to have people help you get out of it. I found that for myself, um, you know, and so it, it truly is that magical place of consistent gratitude that can change your energy and the people around you and uh it's a it's a it's pretty cool stuff so what are you grateful for joanna well i'm grateful to wake up in beautiful mexico this morning the sun is shining the palm trees were swaying away and i just love the the blooms and all the different unique flowers here so i'm i'm grateful for nature that's all around me you know, I'm going to say kind of the same thing because we went for uh, for the Labor Day holiday. We it's so it's a long holiday for us, but we made it an extra long holiday where we left out Thursday after a little bit of car trouble. So I was like, oh, we were we were packed up pulling out of the driveway. Well, trying to pull out of the driveway and oh, no. the car didn't even start. <laughs> like, What is happening? So a little bit delayed, but everything is fine. Um, but cool thing is, if you don't have one of these, they have these power packs that are jumper cables instead of your traditional jumper cables, so you don't have to have um, another car if you need to oh, jump. I've never heard of that. It's That's really cool. So we have, uh, for those who are car people, <laughs> we have an old 1970 Corvette, which is my heart. Uh, but then we also have an older Forerunner, but it's like it's got the big engine and the big motor, and they don't make them like that anymore. And so this is our mountain car. And so having this little power pack that's you know the size of a shoebox ish that you can take with you as in cars, you know we've got. Oh, sorry, <laughs> forgot to turn my music down. Um, anyway, to, we, we've got you know, the two older cars, but then one new car, but having that for an older car, that's n that I am grateful for that. It's not what I was going to say, but it's, it's, it's good to have that, that um, security, you know, this little security yeah. blanket to have that with you, especially, you know, in the mountains where, you know, there's, we tend to go where there is nobody else. Um, so it's cool stuff. It's got a huge flashlight and you can plug in other things. And so it's, it's a really cool little, little fun piece of equipment that we got but with that is being out so far in the woods where hardly anybody was you know or in the mountains it's woods and rivers and you know the mountain lakes and um and just getting grounded like literally you know walking around with you know my bare feet when I can mm -hmm. it's not always feasible but you know when I can mm -hmm. and spending 
days out there. It was a good, f- I think almost four full days that we were out there. Mm-hmm. And cooking out there and, and being so far out that we can let literally let the dogs run from not miles, but a long way. Like they, it's the, it's just the best. So that downtime, there's no reception, right? So we can't, um, we can't talk on the phone. We can't jump on our computer. We can read. We can fish. We can walk. We can hike. We can play. So anyway, I'm super grateful for that time. It was really grounding. Really good to just not think about anything but where you are at that minute and maybe where the next hike is going to be. I don't know. <laughs> so. Oh, good gosh, stuff. so good to have Yeah, fun. oh, it's the best. It's the best. And I think it's it's such a big part of caring for ourselves, right? Um, you know, we, we don't always, and this is, I'm speaking from my personal experience, but sometimes it's hard to unplug. Sometimes it's hard to to get away, um, you know, but I think it's a, it's a lesson, it's a life lesson that usually, almost always, things are going to wait. And we have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of anybody else. And you know, you and I are in the business, and many, many out there in the business of helping others mm-hmm. move through their journey, right? And mm-hmm. giving that guidance. And we have to be on top of our game to be able to do that. And so we have to care for ourselves. And if you just, just if you have a family, you know, having families, you have to be on on you know as best as you possibly can be, so you can care for your family. So. Anyway, um, I will, I'll just sort of stop there, but <laughs> it's all good stuff. So um, what I love about Joanna, and I'm, I'm going to let her talk a little bit about where she comes from and what she does. If you, how do I have a low battery already? Oh, goodness. That's no good. I plugged in my iPad, but I didn't plug in my iPhone. Maybe I just might have to go back and forth and plug them both in. So. It's always something, right? Anyway, yeah. all the tools, all always, the tools. Always. <laughs> um, so I'll probably do that here in just a minute. But um, I want to let you introduce yourself and, and talk about where you come from. We've we've done this once before um, on the show, and so you might have seen Joanna. We're going to certainly have um, some different topics to talk about. But but what I love so much, and what I was ta- you know sort of alluding to earlier is you watch me you know I love epigenetics and I love knowing that I'm accountable nobody else is accountable I'm accountable for my own health my own well-being I might have to seek guidance and seek help but it's up to me to do that it's up to me what I put on my skin what I put in my body what I put in my in my home environment um, and then that impact can affect my own health and if I were uh, you know looking to have children it impacts generations ahead. When I learned, when I met Joanna, it was this whole, I, I love it when people just open up my world. I'm like, what, how's this even possible? So she is also an epigenetics nerd, but she looks at it from a historical perspective. So she's looking at it and how our history, whether it's from younger years or from generations, how that impacts who we are today fascinating and beautiful stuff and I love it so much and so I like I said I love it when people just open up a whole new world to me and it really literally I think about our first conversation where you did that for me um, all the time probably every time I even talk about epigenetics which is all the time 
<laughs> so I'm really grateful for that and for you know the eye-opening moments. So um, while I switch out my battery here for a second, go ahead and um, tell people you know who you are, where you come from, what excites you, how you got to where you are, and a little bit about the Family Imprint Institute because I just love the name of the Family Imprint Institute. <laughs> Thank you. I know it is a mouthful. We can trip over it. Yeah. But I picked it for good reason because we very much are imprinted by our family experience. And we know through the science of epigenetics that that imprint is literally at the level of the DNA. And so our parents, our grandparents, if they have unresolved emotional experiences, even traumas, that imprints the DNA and that's what's shared with our children. And so, so much about my passion about epigenetics is what is shared. What is that shared history between grandparents, parents, and children? And it often plays out in our marriages, in our parenting, in our health, and the stress that sometimes when these relationships get tangled up and what that does to impact that stress response in our nervous system, which can lead to anything to hormonal imbalance, to digestive discomforts, to migraines, to sleep issues. It's all back to this core piece of how we sit in our family, and really that means how we sit in ourselves. So, can you explain, when you say imprint, because I, I well, I say that I get it, it's still this sort of magical, crazy thing that, that you know, epigenetics is, and so I want, I want to real quick just kind of do the, the little sciencey thing and then let you explain kind of what you mean by imprint. Um, mm -hmm. And so epigenetics essentially is we have our genome and so we have locations on top of our genes um, that have the ability to turn on and off and they turn on and off create, and that's what creates genetic expression. And so genetic expression uh, or our epigenome is influenced by and greatly impacted, influence sounds very small, but it's, it's not, um, by everything around us and everything that's in us, right? So it's our environment, it's our exercise, it's our sleep, it's our food, it's our movement, it's our relationships, it's our traumas, um, it's, it's everything in our life and most of which we have control over, but not all of it. And so interestingly, you know, we can't, um, we can't control you know, what's in our air. We can clean our homes, but we can't go outside and say, well, these chemicals that are in our air, there's nothing we can do about that. So we do the best we can with what we have. But there's so much that we do have control over. Interesting the, interestingly, though, is we don't have control over our history, right? We don't have control over the um, emotional stuff and junk and issues and uh, uh, traumas that have been in our in our own past but in our in our generational past and so I would love for you to just kind of explain in your words when you're saying imprint what that means and how that passes on yeah of course trauma changes the way our DNA expresses mm -hmm. and so we could have a grandparent that was a part of a war situation or a grandmother that lived through the depression. This is going to change the way the DNA is shared with your parents and even with you. We know through epigenetics it moves across two generations. And so my most influential teacher wrote a book I recommend to every everyone who's curious about this topic. The title tells it all. 
It didn't start with you. Mm-hmm. And so it lives in you as if I might live with all kinds of hypervigilance or anxiety. Or, you know, if I go out to the airport, let's say, or a busy grocery store, and I think, what the heck is that about? Why, when I get around crowds of people, do I feel so uncomfortable? And it could be a trauma that was experienced by a grandparent that was overtaken in a crowded situation. It's, we're looking at the family experiences that live in the family tree that are informing us. And it can be a really interesting new way to look at, oh, so I'm not just me and my individual experiences, I'm within the context of my whole family system. And so I'll often explain it like a quilt. You know, we all have those squares of the quilt and we're just not the single square. And I think this is where a lot of therapeutic interventions can run short because they might only be looking at you, the individual. And this work gets really curious about the whole quilt. Where did love stop flowing? Where did somebody get excluded? Or where is there estrangement? Where is there a trauma that closed somebody down? Did somebody get forgotten because they were died early or they were sent off to jail or they were a part of a mental institution for a lot of their adult life and so the family just didn't speak about them? These are the kinds of experiences that pick up a lot of speed in the family system because they've got to be expressed somewhere else. And that might look like in us or even in our children. Mm. How do we, I so cool. Um, <laughs> how do we, if we're just hearing this co- concept, I mean, it's, it's fact, right? Um, but we call it a concept. If, if we're just hearing this, and we are dealing with severe anxiety or whatever it is that we're dealing with that I, and I think a lot of times we blame ourselves you know it's all my fault why can't I control this where does this come from you know in in my own life and you know this this whole thing this how do we start to understand whether it's ours or someone else's and then start to figure out how to deal with that and how to address it and how to, I mean, can you find, I'm sorry, it's another question and a question, but mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming you can't really figure out who and where it comes from necessarily. You just have to address it for what it is. It all depends on the person, mm-hmm. their circumstance, the expression of the symptom, and then the family history. That's why I love this work, because it's so unique. Yeah. There, we might run from the concept of epigenetics, but each and every person is so unique, and so we are bringing in different tools. Mm-hmm. And so to really look at that, it's a little bit like the fish who swims in the water. It's all they know. And so if I'm born with a lot of hypervigilance and anxious feelings, There isn't this situation of where it started or where it's from, it's just what I know. It's just how I respond when triggers or stressful situations come up. And so the question starts to look like, who might you share this with? Where is this familiar? And so we start to look at the memory and the traits of their childhood. We start to look at what they might know about their mom and dad's childhood. We're trying to find that thread of where it originated and where it comes from. And so a lot of the times it can really be about this internal conversation. So let's say the client, we'll use that example you gave, is 
highly anxious and really looking for ways to live in a more relaxed way has tried all the things medication meditation um you know all the things yeah. and, but it's still there and so a lot of what we can do with this work is to give it that connection where does it come from and i might often ask the clients okay close your eyes imagine that conversation with your grandmother grandma no wonder you were scared when those officers came on your land when your father died unexpectedly when you were seven whatever that family fact is where it sort of started something we're making the connection and the next step is to say grandma look at what happens to me though when i carry that experience within me i know you wouldn't want me to carry your stress your hurt your pain your trauma and i'd like to have this sense that i'm able to give it back to you and so there's this expression of letting yourself free giving it back to where it started so much of what we're carrying relates to that family that that experience and we want to be able to let it down let ourselves get free of it not stay stuck in that reference point mm -hmm. so this can express in a, in a lot, you had said this a few minutes ago but to expand on that express in a lot of different ways so mm -hmm. yes the anxiety um but what about the, the physical, right? And so we have, um, you know, the stuff that I deal with, right? It's GI dysfunction. It's, um, uh, uh, we just went away for a minute. That's interesting. Um, okay. Will you say something? Let's see if I can hear you. Hi. Oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can, I can see you here, but I couldn't see you here. So I just wanted to make sure. Anyway. Um, so I deal, I deal a lot with the physical, you know, the mm -hmm. autoimmune conditions and these things. And, and we, we know that stress has the ability to stress and frustration and negative self-talk and, you know, all of these things that create stress has mm -hmm. the ability to impact us physically, mm -hmm. right? And so do you see situations like that, you know, because... I know that I my expertise is not the mental and emotional, right? It's mm -hmm. really strictly the physical. Now I can put in a little bit of, in that of that in there, but will people come and see you strictly for the relationship stuff, or you know, uh, you know the, the the therapy, or will mm -hmm. they come and see you to because they they don't have any other place to go because they've got this GI junk and they're unable to address it. A lot of the times when, in the way that I work, because I'm building out that three-generation geneogram, we're really kind of looking at you from across the, across the span of time. A lot of the times they might come because they're on the verge of divorce or they can't reach their teen, and the GI stuff comes in. Like, okay, what else are you dealing with? Yeah, what yeah. other symptoms are there? Yeah. Or, geez, I've had insomnia for five years. You know, there's this unpacking of all of the stressors. And what's so fascinating, you'll probably really be interested in this, a, a new study just came out. I'll be happy to share it with you. You can put it in the show notes if yeah, you're very yeah. interested. A, a pretty much all of the mitochondria we have comes from our mom. And so that, that building block of our, of our gut, of our, the, the foundation of our health, 
comes from mom. And so that means the health of mom's mitochondria before our conception, during our pregnancy, sets the stage for the building blocks of us. And so if we're really looking at a GI issue, well, I get into that you know, chicken or egg, what yeah. comes first? Yeah. Is the GI issue because of something physical? And part of that might be accurate. Mm -hmm. And part of it might actually be because I'm closed or I'm you know, keeping a, an arm's length mm -hmm. with my mom because of all kinds of relational complications. And so I think the two of us and our approach works really well together yeah. Yeah. because we can't just, in my perspective, work on the physical and mm -hmm. we can't just work on the emotional. Mm -hmm. We want to kind of bridge the gap because we are components of all. We are that whole. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. You know, one of the things that I think is, is has become kind of problematic in our typical healthcare system is mm -hmm. that everything is so compartmentalized. Yeah. Right, we whether it's the the physical and the mental and emotional to the brain, the heart, the kidneys, you know, all mm -hmm. of our our you know these these independent functions, which are not independent. We we approach them as independent. You know, we have our specialists, and you know, it's great because there there are times when that's what we need. Um, mm -hmm. But it's unfortunate because a lot of times it's that it's. I'm dealing with this, but I don't think about the downstream effects of what I'm doing with this up here, right? And so we have to, we have to really look at, and I do this more and more, and again, it's not my specialty, but when I do my best with my own clients to understand their own, their history, um, and oh, man, it's so sad and so fascinating and heartbreaking the amount of people who have experienced trauma in their own history, let alone their family history, exactly. um, it's hard. I'm, I'm, I am very, very blessed because it's not something that I've, you know, experienced to the, to the extent of, of so many people. But I have to always take into account that what I'm work when I'm working with someone that their things that we're working on could have or probably have m a different side of it than just okay we have to do antimicrobials to get rid of your parasites right, <laughs> right. right. there's so much more to it um, it's so yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's important for your listeners, too, because I think trauma is such a widely used term these days. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people think of, you know, capital T trauma. And yeah. they think, well, I don't know. I, I, I didn't have anything big happen, or my grandfather wasn't in the war. Like, mm -hmm. I don't identify with this. And what I've learned over the years is it's the little T traumas that build up around mm -hmm. I don't know, being bullied at school. Yeah. You know, I just had a client yesterday where this really stuck out, where her mom was very task-oriented. And, you know, she had a lovely home, and lunches were always nutrici nutritious, and her laundry was done. But would her mom ever play with her? Mm -hmm. Would her mom ever sit and say, hey, you look upset. What happened at school? And even to this day as an adult, she's just asked her mom after a rough day of work, hey, can I have a hug? And her mom says, I'll give you a hug when you do something to deserve it. Oh, oh. And so there's this like, <laughs> you know, ouch. It's sad, my that, heart. Yeah, oh my that gosh. love is connected to. Who does that? 
producing or doing something. And so for me, that's a little T trauma where the person I go to to say, oh, can I just you know rest with you? Can you just hear what's tough for me? And there's this, this sort of block or this, I've got to do something to earn it. This is really the root of people pleasing. This is the root of feeling like I've got to go, go, go and do all of these things before I deserve love or deserve rest. And it can keep our nervous system running on overdrive. And so sometimes when we're looking for the source of something, we don't think to connect, oh, my mom was a work-at-home mom, or stay-at-home mom, I mean, she was always there. But the relational, affectionate attunement, that part was actually missing. So the show so much is about relationships and how and the impact they have on us. And so, you know, the, the, I think what I love about this show and what I, you know, said when we were doing the promo was, you know, we, we always talk about health and wellness being physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial, it's all the things. Um, and how it's these relationships um, that have such an impact on us. You know, I, and one of the things I, I tend to say pretty frequently is I am, at least as I've aged, <laughs> not always, but as I've aged, I'm really particular about who I surround myself with. Um, I waited until later to get married. I was particular about who I married because I'm really glad there are a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> I didn't marry, you know. <laughs> um, it, but they can they can have such an impact on every everything that we are. These relationships, and I think that sometimes they can even sneak up on us if we've even let go of a relationship. It kind of can still sit there, yeah, mm -hmm. and it can create some damage, right? Yes. Um, so I, I'm. What is um, the, what kind of research do we have, and how? these kinds of relationships can affect us. Um, and I know that you kind of hit on this already a little, a little bit, but you want to dig into it maybe a little more. Yeah, I think you bring up such an important part or point that we've got to almost look at it that what's unresolved with my mom especially, because she's my first love, she's that mm -hmm. template. But what's unresolved with mom or dad will find its way to play itself out in our intimate relationships. So choosing our partner very consciously instead of just by that, mm -hmm. that spark of attraction because we tend to fall in love with what's familiar, not even what's healthy or what we would tell someone we want. And so that piece of really knowing ourselves, really knowing our triggers, really knowing what's unresolved so that we don't just put that pain on repeat. And when we look at the research around our internal relationship with mom and dad and how that affects us, particularly at the level of health and well-being, if your listeners want to look it up, it's called the Closeness to Parents Scale. And it was done out of Harvard University. I think it's also under the Mastery of Stress study. This goes back, I think, to the 50s. Um, John Hopkins University redid it because they were so wowed by the outcome. And so essentially, they took a bunch of people and they asked them a series of multiple choice questions. And then 35 years later, followed up with them. So it was a really long study. And they really just were studying the connection between relationships and family and health and the impact on our personal health. 
And so the multiple choice question was, tell me about your relationship with your mom. Would you categorize that as warm, close, tolerated, or strained? Those were the four sort of options you could pick. And then of course the same question with dad, tell me about your dad, warm, close, tolerated, or strained? So those who answered tolerated or strained with mom, remember it's 35 years later they're checking in with these test subjects, 91% had a significant health issue. Those who answered tolerated or strained with dad, 80%. Those who answered tolerated or strained with both parents, 100%. Unreal. Wow. Yeah. And so if we look at the other side, the results could be warm and close. And so 35 years later, those who answered warm and close, 45% had a health issue with mom, and it was 40% with dad. Hmm. And so we look at those statistics and we could say, okay, if I do have a complicated relationship with mom or dad, that could double my chances of a serious health complication. And for me, how I kind of make sense of that is if I have a complicated relationship with the two people that brought me into life, if my first relationships were really hard, you know, I couldn't count on them or they were somehow harmful to me, then it often ends up that life is hard don't really trust life or those around me will be able to give me what I need because my first love, my parents couldn't. And so in a way, we're continuing that pain. In our work, it's actually called a primary scenario. So the things that happen in the first five or six years of our life, they set that imprint. You know, there's that word mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. There's that mm, repeat that until we work with it, until we find a way to come to peace with it, it's just set on repeat and sometimes that plays out in our marriage sometimes it plays out inside our own body mm. inside our health mm -hmm. and symptoms can be the way our body is talking to us to say you know look here this piece is unresolved and so painful and i think it just tends to get heavier as we age totally agree and i i also am you know we, we speak the same language in, in a lot of ways but you know, I, this is what I'm always trying to tell people as well, or, you know, create the awareness around when we have symptoms, whether it's anxiety, depression, or it's joint pain or gut pain, or, you know, you name it. If it's a whole uh, constellation of symptoms, right, which is what we call a disease, right? It's dis-ease. This, this is our body trying to talk to us, and it's not trying to tell us, hey, I need an ibuprofen. It's not trying to tell us I need an antidepressant. It's trying to tell us there is something going on and I need your help. You know, it's, it's literally it's these, these cellular red flags that are going up that are creating this, this symptom or symptoms. Signal, yeah. Is, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And it is, you know, I, it, there are a couple of things that, you know, when I leave this world that I hope that I hope that I've impacted as many people as I can, and that's one of them is just the awareness around our bodies are, our bodies want us to live. Our bodies want to protect us. Our bodies are here to, to, to take us through this world so we can do these amazing things that we were put here to do. Mm -hmm. And so when we, you know, one of the things that I am, I still call it dysfunction because the world knows the word dysfunction. There's a problem. 
But what if we look at it as a protective mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. This dysfunction. Maybe, maybe that's not really quite the word. Um, and I say this, you know, with autoimmune conditions, um, with Alzheimer's, you know, those plaques that we always hear that are so terrible, it's the body trying to protect the brain. So, but we've got to help the body work, right? Uh, I think I think it could be the same. You know, I don't have a lot of you know science behind this. You know, it does come from a conversation that was at a conference that I went to. But it's the autoimmune condition. Is it that the body's dysfunctional? The immune system is dysfunctional, or is it trying to figure out the best way to protect us? Because that's what it's intended to be. Because it's so beautifully and incredibly smart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I've come to trust so innately the wisdom of the body. And so there's a workaround, maybe, that it's trying to, to yeah. find. Yeah. Which could be, I'm going to say the no, but you can't seem to say verbally. So I, the body, will shut this down because you continue to say yes when I clearly am showing I'm exhausted or just I don't want to yeah. or I, I'm not open to that. Mm -hmm. But I feel to be a good person, to be a good daughter, to be the helpful wife, whatever the role is, to be the good mother, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And so much of that, I think, was really informed by a Canadian physician, Dr. Gabor Maté, which many of your listeners likely know, he's a well-renowned author. And his book, probably from the 90s, When the Body Says No, oh, yeah, yeah. I share that with a lot yes, of Yes, I'm reading that right now. But yes. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love and that. so the body will, mm -hmm. in its wisdom, say no. And what was so, it stood out to me in that book was, over all of his years seeing all the different patients, he started to notice, oh, just a second, you know, the cluster of similarities with MS patients or mm -hmm. cancer patients mm -hmm. or these really serious diagnoses where they would give themselves over to the people they love to be the good friend or the, the helpful whomever over themselves mm -hmm. and so then the body has to kick in in its wisdom and intelligence to say hold on this is too much mm -hmm. yeah yeah um i i want to reiterate that if you've not read this book it is mm -hmm. truly fascinating i mean it is it's so eye-opening you're like holy smokes so yeah. if you are just interested or if you're struggling with something get the book i've had mm -hmm. it on audible um and been listening to it uh, i'm a you know it's so funny every time i almost every time i listen to a book on audible <laughs> i'm like man i wish i had the hard copy because i always take notes and you know underline and you know but it's also it's great to have audible when you're when you're driving so <laughs> It's true. I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm going to just have to get the book as well. So. Yes, it's so true. I, my husband gives me the hardest time. He's like, you know, you don't really need all these books. I'm like, but I do. <laughs> I need them all. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. Anyway, um, I have a question that is more of a curiosity question about how you would handle a situation with one of your clients who may not know their history so say they're adopted can you how would you do something like that oh yeah i've worked with many people that have been adopted or even come from families with lots of family secrets and they just uh, don't know yeah 
And so my training is through something called the core language approach. Uh, my background was a clinical hypnotherapist. So I'm really curious about language and how that intersects with how our life unfolds. And so a lot of how my clients will describe what they're up against, what the relationship patterns are, where they're stuck, where habits they're not able to let go of, this usually helps me to track back what can be stuck in the family system. So things like um, what went on in their childhood, they might know a hint of that, or how they're describing their marriage today. It helps me to understand the work that we need to do that lives at the unconscious level. Mm. So it's a little bit like reverse engineering. Yeah. We just work from today's issues back. That's crazy. So cool. Mm -hmm. So um, what do you find are some of the biggest blocks in helping your, are they your patients or are they your clients? I call them clients. Okay. Okay. So, um, so how? What are some of the biggest blocks in in helping people move past whatever it is that they're dealing with? Well, for me, I think it's like the greatest roadblocks for healing is that what the source is, the why mm -hmm. they're unwell, mm -hmm. remains out of sight. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when we have a diagnosis, like, well, I have fibromyalgia, and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, it shuts down inquiry. It shuts yeah. down going yes. any further than that. Yes. And so, so much of the time, we're used to, as a culture, dealing with the symptoms mm -hmm. rather than the cause. Mm -hmm. And so, this work is all about root cause and how do we resolve it at the very root. And so, sometimes that can look like, what are the unresolved emotions in myself or in my system? What are resentments and hurts that have gone un unexpressed? Mm -hmm. And so now my body carries the weight of it. Mm -hmm. um, it. That thing I never said to my sister or the thing I, my mom couldn't say to her mom mm -hmm. lives in my body. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a stuckness that can't move. Mm -hmm. And so I think another block is people come and they've seen every expert they can reach out to. They've tried every nutritional or even drug or um, different remedies and it's still moving them only baby steps towards it, yet they forgot more than the most important parts, which is their relational health, mm -hmm. their, their own history, mm -hmm. including their childhood and then family history, and how that deeply impacts how life goes forward from here. You know, there's this amazing pediatrician, her name is Dr. Nadine Burke, and she's one of my kind of heroes out there in the world because she's really bringing forward into medicine what's called the ACEs score, Adverse Childhood Experiences score. And those, those of us who have really high adverse experiences in childhood, she's noted it can live quietly in the body for 30, 40 years. And so much of the patients that she's seen with really severe health conditions, gosh, it goes back to the, the trauma, the pain, the terror that they had experienced as children. And alternatively, because I'm so curious about this ACEs aspect of health, I found out about a beautiful project, I think it's called Compassion Prison, Prison Project. And this woman goes into prisons all throughout the United States and looks at what are the ACEs score mm. of these inmates. And I'm sure it's no surprise to you, Nikki, they have every single one. Yeah. So. And yeah. So there's this piece around the hurt that we carry either hurts us on the inside or we express that hurt on the outside. Mm -hmm. 
so my, my mind is is going um, just because of personal experiences with family who have spent time in prison mm-hmm. and you know it's this you try so hard to understand and, and it's a family where I know I know how this person was raised mm-hmm. right um, and so at, at least for the most part I wasn't inside the family but right. Um, and how, how, how that happens and, and what it is that, that, that is in there. And I, I think it just makes me think that I would love to do this ACES test on him, mm-hmm. right? And get a score. And I mean, because, you know, we, everybody wants to help and to figure out and see how we can kind of move beyond whatever it is that, that he's going through. Um, but it's so, it's so interesting to think what, how is it that he reacts to the world so differently, which is Mm -hmm. how a lot of people are reacting to the world, the world and experiences very differently, which is what makes us individuals. It is who we are and it's, it's the way that it's supposed to be, but it's a, it's just, you know, it's got my mind kind of reeling a little bit, you know, how it's, it's the how and it's the why and what, and then the, what can we do? help yeah right and I don't know what that is but well I think really what it is is there's a lot of neuroscientists that talk about often it's less what happened to us Mm -hmm. and more how we can make sense of it Mm. how we can really come to completion meaning yeah my mom was a raging alcoholic and you know broke every dish when she would have an episode and kind of freak out and I can be with the reality of her pain, of her history. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I come to this really settled place of how could it have been any other way? Mm-hmm. You know, no wonder the alcohol, no wonder the anger, no wonder the numbing. Mm-hmm. When I look at what's behind my mom, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that we stop holding it as personal. If we're still in the yeah. fight of it shouldn't have been that way, mm-hmm. it's like we're still in a fight for what we didn't get enough of. And the body carries all the stress response of that. Mm-hmm. So how we can make sense of what happened is sort of that fork in the road difference. Do I go out and hurt people the way I was hurt? Or do I, I don't know, um, parent in a very gentle attachment-based way? Do I start a support group? Do I, you know, do I go and utilize my pain as a way of doing it in a very different conscious mm-hmm. way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's, um, I mean, uh, another thing that I believe a lot, or I believe and I say a lot, is, you know, it's the hard stuff that that helps us to grow, and it's the hard stuff that builds character, and it's the hard stuff that, you know, that we don't like to go through that, that helps us to be who we are, but it's a matter of... I don't know what it is that some people can can take it and turn something really hard into something really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And some just, I think maybe it's that getting stuck. They just can't, they get, can't get out of, I don't know if it's out of their own way, out of, you know, the, the frustration and the feeling that why me kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, is it a influential teacher along their path that mm-hmm. had opened that spark that it could be different or they could believe in themselves? Or is it something innately inside mm-hmm. of them that thought, it can't end this way. And mm-hmm. they become like the diamond that, you know, the, the great immense pressure to create such a brilliant stone. 
it, it's it's one of those grand mysteries of life that mm -hmm. maybe we'll never know why some people mm -hmm. lean to resilience and mm -hmm. others completely collapse. Yeah, oh, I know, so crazy. So, when you're working with someone, someone new comes with you, com comes with mm -hmm. you, comes to you. Um, where do you begin? And you know, what is it? How do you, how do you figure out, explore, learn about the impacts? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the first session is a, a two-hour deep dive, where of course we're starting with, you know, what brings you here today? Mm -hmm. What is that? A situation in life that has you ready to look at yourself in this really beautiful larger context kind of way and usually that first sentence tells me a lot about where we're going to go right out of the gates interesting and then I'm building a three generation mm -hmm. geneogram mm -hmm. so as you're answering my questions I'm sort of putting it in a bit of a map your map your family map so that the intervention and the resolution that we do is very much about those root issues about really where the anxiety comes from, the symptom comes from. Um, it can be really fun when I work with couples because then I'm looking at how systems marry systems and how so much of that pattern of relating overlaps. And so I'm really working from that larger context, that historical framework, so that we can get so much done in a single session. That's amazing. Um, you know, I do something a little bit similar where my first session is always two hours and I find it amazing that anybody can do anything with anyone in less than two hours <laughs> yeah. no. and, you know and we have our you know our conventional system where you know insurance dictates everything and it's like okay ten minutes in and out which is so much of what creates so much frustration is how how can how can you figure out actually what's going on look for the root cause, dig for, you know, all of the, yeah. the so much that happens in people's lives that can bring them to you or to me instead of, okay, well, yeah, your labs look fine, which I did a show on that, your labs look fine, but I don't feel fine kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so here's your go well and raise yeah. children and go to work and be healthy and it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. Well, and it goes back to just because the symptom is one's a headache and one is a heartburn doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they're not connected, right? Exactly. And, you know, it's this, this situation, you know, to, 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 oh, and that happened to me one time too. Same doctor also told me at 25 or whatever it was that I needed to be on cholesterol medication. I'm like, geez. Anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, I, it was, I, I don't remember what the situation was, but I was there and I had this and he was like, okay. And I, I said, well, what about this? He's like, you gotta come back. Yeah. You, you, this is, ins it's pure insanity. Yeah. And how anybody can stick with that and just say, okay, this is fine. When in, in, in my mind, you go to whatever medical school, whatever, whether it's medicine or whatever it is, you know, you go because you're curious. You want mm -hmm. to understand, mm -hmm. you want to help people, you want to learn, you want to educate. And then in my mind, all of that's taken away in mm -hmm. conventional medicine to, to an extent, right? Um, because you, you're not given the time, you have to go by symptom to symptom, you're not able to dig, so you're not looking for root cause. All you're doing is looking to squash the symptom, which does virtually nothing. And I'll, I'll say that sometimes medication and squashing symptoms for a period of time is necessary in order to get through life. 
I get that. But we have to, we have to understand why. And it's yes. really teaching, and, and again, creating that awareness around always ask why. Because you have heartburn, ask why. Because you have um, a pain or multiple pains or a disease state, ask why. And don't just mm-hmm. get, just don't deal, you know, put up with the, well, this is just who you are. This is just how you were made. It's just because. It's just because you're old. Well, it's just because you have bad luck. Or it's genetics, which is mm-hmm. a joke. Anyway, you know, I kind of get a little, little bit on a, a soapbox with this stuff. But um, it's it, it can be it can be so frustrating. And then what I, on the other end of that, is we're coming out of that, at least to a degree, where we have those of us who are here, our goal is to dig. Our goal is to spend the time. Our goal is to spend hours with you as well as hours outside of you i mean i spend Mm -hmm. so many hours on individual clients just working on their case when i'm not actually with them that's right Mm -hmm. sometimes it leads to more research and that's how we grow as practitioners Mm -hmm. and i actually really love that yeah it really helps Mm -hmm. keep that curiosity going and i guess that's why it is so infuriating for us because it's such a different paradigm Mm -hmm. it's sort of this sort of tiny little bit of time that doesn't connect the dots and I think what lights me up most is to connect those dots yes to see you in your wholeness and to Mm -hmm. find out the why so you finally get some peace and back to your life in a in a vibrant vital way yeah yeah it's so good um it's so good to I think my my favorite things are aha moments that my Mm. clients have like oh I get it you know or even if they're struggling and they figure out, you know, one food. Now, I don't always take it back to the food that's creating the problem, but one thing that they're, they're learning is problematic for them so they know what to do about it. Um, you know, it's these tiny little steps that end up taking them from this place of massive frustration, fear, all of the things that go along with not being well to a, a, just a whole new world right Mm -hmm. um and it takes time and it takes work to get to get to that point but it really is a beautiful thing when life just opens up yeah you know yeah yeah and i think you find possibilities or maybe even new hope that you just couldn't find anywhere else yeah i think so much of the journey of reclaiming health i've worked with many clients who just lost hope along the way Mm -hmm. and i think that's such an essential ingredient to be able to it's a little bit like a marathon. We've got to finish that marathon. We've got to be able to really keep that hope alive. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I so agreed. So, there, a lot of people have, I think, a hard time with either forgiving or being forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how do you work with people in those situations? <laughs> I have a very different perspective on this. Okay. I used to teach a class, I don't know, a year ago, I guess, called The Myth of Forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I think people get really hung up on forgiveness. And and again, I view it from relationship perspective, yeah, of course. Yeah. But this idea that where did the... So I'm trying to think of an example to, to kind of bring it home. When somebody creates an emotional injury inside of a relationship, 
you want to be able to not just I forgive you as if that erases the hurt or fixes the broken trust mm -hmm. or stops looking at the relationship for how did that even happen in the first place, whatever that emotional injury was. And so the idea about forgiveness, it, it kind of takes all of that inquiry out of it. And so we first want to be able to look at how are we relating to each other? Why did this happen even in the first place? We've got to be able to look at what are some new rules of engagement, so to speak, that keeps kindness, empathy, compassion, and understanding at the forefront. How do we get out of this pattern of relating that ends up hurting each other? How do we rebuild the trust? Because forgiveness is a little bit like the diagnosis, where we just, okay, we're done, it's complete, put it away. And what I've often seen is the I forgive is a bit of a superior position. So let's say um, the wife has the affair and the husband says, I really want to keep this marriage together, I forgive you, but feels I'm better than you because I didn't have the affair, I forgave mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And now in a different kind of way, yeah. I'll passively, aggressively, subtly make you pay for that for the rest of our days mm -hmm. together instead of really finding a way to come to completion with it. And so from this work, the, the perspective is to actually hurt back, mm. but a little less with love. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean he goes out and has the affair to even the score, yeah. but it might look like, you know, I've always wanted to take the motorcycle down to Hawaii and ride on the curvy hills over the ocean, and you never wanted me to do that and I'm gonna take three weeks and do that. Mm. And during that time, I'm processing the hurt. Mm -hmm. I'm reflecting on how did I show up in the relationship that contribute to this affair? Mm. So that when that trip is over, it's complete. Mm -hmm. I don't even return to it, not even in thought. And for many of my clients, it's like, we kind of need to start a new marriage. This is marriage 2.0, mm -hmm. different from how things were before. And wow. so it really takes forgiveness off the table and elevates it to a, a different practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, 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 I love that. I love, I love it. Again, it goes back to seeing things in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's, it can be so important and so, so helpful. Mm -hmm. I love that. So um, we only have a few minutes left. So, wow, that went by fast. I know, it always does. It always does. Um, I remember starting this show, and I started with just doing 30 minutes every other week. I was scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I need another hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I was so scared. Um, so let's talk about um, how people can find you. I know you're doing a lot of really cool things, and she lives in a really cool place. So let's talk about all of that. Yeah. So people can find out more on my website, www.joannalynn.ca, uh, because I originate from Canada, so that's where the CA comes from. I'm living now in Mexico, in the mountains of Mexico, in San Miguel, a little artsy town tucked in here with perfect weather, pretty much. Mm. Um, so we are going to be planning a retreat in the spring, all about this experiential constellation work that really dives deep into how any of us get to be the way we are and movements towards more of who we'd like to be 
a little lighter, a little, with a little more freedom and clarity. Um, I do online groups every month so that people can kind of get a taste of the experience of the work. And then of course I have my international private practice if people would rather do the one-on-one -on -one experience. Mm -hmm. I love that. So mm -hmm. your retreat, is it, because I know that you, you work with clients, but mm -hmm. some of your clients are also therapists who are learning your techniques. Right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Mm -hmm. I joke that I'm the therapist that therapists come to see. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, that's my favorite thing to do. Thanks for bringing that up, Nikki, mm -hmm. is to really share and kind of pay it forward the work that I get to do every day with those who are nutritionists and naturopaths and energy workers and anybody on the front line that kind of wants to bring this systems work, this family approach into how they're supporting clients. Mm. And so it's a nine month deep dive into learning all the ins and outs of how to bring this systems approach into work with clients. And um, I just, I love it. You know, I can only see so many people in yeah. a day and yeah. it feels like a great way to, to share the work. So I'm curious, the work that you do, is it and I mean, I know we all have teachers from our, our history, right? But mm -hmm. are you, is this kind of what uh, what you developed? Or Ooh, good yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. So this work goes back a little over 50 years okay. from a German psychotherapist, his name is Bert Hellinger, who cultivated and created family constellations. Okay. So this idea that we are a part of a larger context. Mm -hmm. And even Bert Hellinger, borrowed from Virginia Satir, from Milton Erickson, from many brilliant, really front runners in trying to understand um, who we are and how we get to be that way. Mm -hmm. And so he was just such a brilliant thinker that brought forward a very new way of thinking about ourselves inside the context of family. And then I would say the next generation of teachers, um, Susie Tucker is from Connecticut, and she really translated all of Bert's books from German to English mm -hmm. and came about loving the work through her work in publishing as, as a beautiful author. And Mark Wolin, the gentleman that I mentioned who wrote the book, It Didn't Start With You, mm -hmm. um, he was out of Northern California. And so being able to learn from those who learn directly from Bert Hellinger, and I guess in the series of you know family, I'm in the third generation. Mm -hmm. I would maybe be the granddaughter or the daughter of this work. Yeah. And then, you know, my students would be, I guess, mm -hmm. the grandchildren mm -hmm. as, the, as the way it goes. Yeah. And so it's from a long lineage of, mm -hmm. of brilliance, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fascinating. I love it. Thank you again so much for being here. So grateful. Um, one of these That's days, we're going to actually meet in person. I know we are. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, anyway, so uh, reach out, look her up. She's got some amazing um, articles and blogs and all of the things that she does. Check out her website because it's, you know, she really does some beautiful, beautiful work. Um, and it's just. I think another thing that I want to do is go through your program. I think that would be amazing. Wonderful. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, man, so many things that I want to do. Um, anyway, of course, you can find me at tastelifenutrition.com, Taste Life Nutrition, and all of the social media. Uh, this will be the Taste Life Nutrition podcast, so you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. And uh, you can go to the website. You can fill out a free assessment, and I'll reach out to you personally. 
Um, if you watch this show, you know that I know some people who do some really amazing things. So if I'm not the person for you, you're going to find somebody who, who is the person for you. So um, let's see. Uh, oh, of course, Soulful Conception. Uh, Soulful Conception is all about creating that healthy pregnancy, healthy baby, and that healthy future. Because as we've talked about, everything that we do is going to impact the future. Um, and we want, and you know, I, I think to the thing to think about too is the work that Joanna does that is included in, you know, in, in dealing with our own history and our junk that only continues to impact in a positive way, the future and future generations. So oh, yeah, yeah, it's the greatest gift we can give our kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, all good stuff. And uh, reach out if you need anything. Soulful Conception is a program. We have, um, Joanna's going to be part of Soulful Conception, I think, coming up in a couple of months. Yeah? Yes, so, that's right. Yeah. So each month, at least, I may do more than that, but each month we have a guest expert who comes on who is there to to add to my own expertise, right? I'm not an expert in everything, but I'm an expert in a, a few things. So those who are in this program, who are women and their their spouses, if they want, have my guidance, but they also have the guidance of all of these amazing experts who can come in and give them hopefully what they need at that time. And if they need to, you know, more from you, then that's what they do, and they go and they reach out to to my experts as well. My goal is to to give each person whatever it is they need to go through the journey of planning for that healthy pregnancy and then the that healthy again the generations to come so uh next week uh i feel like i want to throw this out there because she's been on the show before too do you know jennifer bloom uh no i don't think so okay to check her out yeah she's super cool stuff so she does a lot of the the mindset and the the EFT um, and you know works a lot with fertility and and helping women to you know get over their humps and their blocks and their things that are going on when it comes to fertility. She's she's another really great one. So so smart in all the things that I'm not smart in. So um, she's a good one. So anyway, uh, reach out if you have questions. I don't care if you're a man or you're a woman um, because it takes both of you to be a part of. Uh, of creating healthy kiddos. So um, anyway, we are here always, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, and then all of the places you can find us after that. So thank you again, everybody, and thank you, Joanna. So good. Thanks, Nikki. Yeah. All right. See y'all.